On 1116 SEN, the Four Diegos. G'day everyone and welcome to the Four Diegos here in 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Good evening, Rodrigo Rodriguez with you on this fine Wednesday night. And uh, hey, thanks to the boys just before us, of course, Jeff Poulter and uh, Stephen Milne and of course, Brett Phillips and all the tennis action. Uh, big night of tennis at the Australian Open. Vinny Venezuela, welcome to you. Good evening, Rodrigo. Great to be here. Hello, listeners. Yes, that's very well said and very formal. Uh, no Warren Diego tonight. No, Our broken. Carlos Alberto Diego, you're here. Though. How are you there, Rodrigo and Vinny Venezuela? Hello, listeners. And, uh, of course, Warren's not with us because he's so upset that Michael Valcarnas has got the job permanently for uh, Melbourne City announced today, for the rest of the season anyway, because uh, uh, he was calling for you know a sacking last week, even though the guys won two out of three and should have won three out of three with a bit of luck in Adelaide. And uh, Warren's just so upset, he just protests. And that's what he does. There goes his number one ticket holder um, <laughs> opportunity, true. Carlos. He'll yeah. be spewing. Do we know if it was that or uh, just that Swansea thing with Liverpool? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's not been a good week. <laughs> Hasn't been a good week. Of course, last week was a great week for him, the, uh, the birthday week. Where uh, where victory managed to lose two games in that period of time, so he was very he was cock a hoop over that. Nice word. But uh, he uh, it's you know it's it's amazing how things turn around in football. It's a funny game. It is a funny game, but um, hopefully uh, the next hour will be a little bit funny, but um, <laughs> maybe not so funny. Yeah. But uh, hey, uh, we've got a big show. We've got Matt Smith, the former Brisbane Raw captain, uh, coming up, and the current captain of Bangkok Glass. Yeah, we're going to Thailand tonight. Yeah, he's not the. J- Managing director of a company called Bangkok Glass, of course. He's playing for Bangkok Glass over there in Thailand. And we'll catch up with Mike McGrath a little bit later on as well. Apparently they drive you really hard over in Thailand. You Not only have to be a CEO of a company, mm. you also have to be captain of a team too. You work in the foundry. <laughs> Absolutely. You work on the floor. Yeah, be you make real, the glass. It'd be a real pain working for Bangkok Glass. It's, make, <laughs> sorry. Not that funny. That's a dad joke. <laughs> yeah, it is. Rodders? Oh, I'm full of them. <laughs> yeah, don't start, do it. No, don't tonight. do it. Hey, 0433981116, if you want to send us a text uh, and uh, we'll check it out and read it to all of our listeners, of course, or give us a call, 94291116. Got a big show for you tonight. Just a bit of an update on the Big Bash League at the moment between the Brisbane Strikers and the Sydney Sixers. The Brisbane Heat. Did I say Brisbane Strikers? My apologies. Um, so I know a lot about cricket. Uh, so <laughs> apparently um, they got three strikes Apparently, no, no. <laughs> they've gone in. They've gone into a uh, super over. It was a tie after the twenty overs in the T Twenty game in the Big Bash League. My apologies for it was a slip up. You know what? I actually do know a lot about cricket. <laughs> no one will believe you now. Hey, it's uh, yep. nine past eleven. There you go. Jim in Baronia is up to date now. He wants to know what the score in the BBL. We will bring it to you as it happens tonight. On the Four Diego's Cricket Edition. Even if it's a little bit inaccurate, you'll still get it. Oh, look, you know, strikers, <laughs> heat. Come on. They were striking them well a bit earlier on with... Um, anyway, let's go. Hey, hey boys, um, it is the Q&A with Rodrigo Rodriguez. As you said, Carlos, big news. Michael Valcarnas mm. was announced as coach until the end of the season. That is that the way you expected it to go, you and Vinny? Well, you go, uh, Vinny, look, first. 
All right. Well, I didn't expect it to go that way in the sense that, well, maybe short term I did, but I just figured that, you know, given the the, the reputation that City is trying to forge, the bigness of the club, the, the, the money behind the club, uh, it, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised because I figured they'd feel that they'd plug that hole pretty quickly, assuming we perceive it as a hole. But on the upside, Valcanis is doing very well, deserves, deserves to have a go. So it pleases me that he's got a position. Because, as we know, the renovation, they've signed the contract for the big renovation in the backyard. <laughs> the pool's going in. So yeah. It'd be terrible. If they it would be terrible. Pin on, pin on him now. Very yeah, it, no, I find it really interesting because you get a bit of an insight in how they run that club. And uh, you could talk about the frustration that, you know, Melbourne City often gives its fans with performances and maybe, you know, underperforming at times or not reaching the great heights at times, even though they've been very good this year anyway with some very good high-profile players. Uh, But one thing that the City Group have shown since day one, that irrespective of what happens, whether they've been disappointing, whether they've lost a number of games in a row, you know, when everyone's calling for the head of the coach, uh, they, they keep their... You know, they keep their calm and uh, they'll make the decision when they want to make it. And so this I found very, very interesting. There's two things that could have happened here. Firstly, they could have said, Mike Valclanis, you're a talented young coach. We've seen enough of you. We feel that you're really going to add something to this uh, team as a head coach. And we're going to give you the rest of the season with the view that if you do really well, you'll be our young coach going forward. That's one op- one thing that could have happened. Or the second thing is they probably couldn't get the one that they really wanted. And they probably have to wait till <laughs> the start of next season. So instead of rocking the boat too much and bringing in someone new, let's keep Mike in. He's done okay. He's got the Maybe he has a squad that might... You know, take him a bit far this year, irrespective of his inexperience at this level, and we'll get the guy we want when we want them. So, um, which way that went? Which way that that you know? Which which alternative? I don't know. We'll really. never know, Carlos. We'll, we'll never know. We can sort of speculate, I suppose. But uh, but look, it's good that he's got the job now. Um, it's not rocking the boat too much there. And uh, you know, from all reports, uh, Timmy Carroll's come out and said he's liked him. So that means everyone likes him. Yeah, and, it's true. Uh, He'd and run through a brick wall, apparently, Timmy Carroll. There said. you go. So that's a pretty, pretty big endorsement from uh, Super Timmy. That third option is, and we want the photos on your phone back from the, <laughs> that trip that we took interstate. That's right. Yeah, that, that would be very interesting, Vinny Venezuela. Not that that happened. I was just joking no, there. There's, not at all. Sorts of, yeah. And like, as you say, Carlos, I think uh, what Melbourne City does do quite well, I reckon, is they show loyalty to, to mm. their key staff and, and patience. So they, they, they do keep their heads. So kudos to Melbourne City. And I think when a player moves on, um, you know, we've had interviews with people, you know, involved at Melbourne City, and there's no even even if we're sort of maybe speculating that that maybe something happened, or maybe the players moved on because he wasn't good enough, or or he's out of favour. The club's always shown respect, even with John Van Skip when we were talking about the changeover of mm. some players that left when we interviewed him early in the season. He was really loath to um, suggest that that play wasn't good enough for the club at that time, even though in reality, if they're moving someone on, uh, that's what's actually happened. But they, they, there's, there's, I feel that there's a lot of respect there. Having said that, probably next week there'll be some blow up and <laughs> the coach and, and player probably will show disrespect in public. But, you know, from what I've seen, I think it's a really professionally run club yeah. and everyone respects each other. I think, it, you know, there's also the, the, the thought that it might have been, it's been a fairly unsettling year for that club. Mm. As well, and um, so so maybe you know having a, a, a complete change of coach, which who who would bring in his own ideas and um, potentially 
extra assistant or something like that. Maybe just uh, keeping it fairly stable for the rest of the season was the way no, that made sense. And if they're not getting the person they want right now, what's the point of bringing in someone that's for right. six months? No, and no yeah, so that's why you know he's he's a bloke. He's had the squad. He you know he's coached them to two wins out of three. Could have been three out of three. And they've got the big derby coming up. Maybe they didn't want to make the decision after the derby because that might have really made it really difficult for them, especially if they got beaten badly. But, uh, but that's going to be really interesting. Theoretically, theoretically, Louis van Gaal. I know he's hung up. He sort of semi-hung yeah. up the boots. And he last, I think last week he said he was going to retire from managing. But then he said, no, I, I'm, I'm still a little bit interested. Say... Would you get someone like a Louis Van Gaal down into the A League if if money let's mm. let's assume money isn't an issue, but he's a he's a big coach. Yeah, would would it be worth having someone like him in this league? I think I think it would. Um, that's a really good point, Vinny. Uh, I I think it would, and but not from a marketing sense. I think we could learn a lot from someone like a uh, Louis Van Gaal. Um, and, and forget about what happened to Manchester United before that. He had massive success, uh, you know, with European clubs, with Holland at different times. You know, this this guy's one of the great coaches of this generation. So to be able to get someone like him, but the football public would be absolutely enamoured with that. But the you know the, the theatre goers mm. wouldn't have a clue. But the football public would thinking, and also the rest of the world would have a focus on us also if that happened. Hey, um, it's uh, the big bash is uh, really happening at the moment. The Sixers, after three balls, uh, none for nine, and uh, they've got a free hit. So very interesting stuff. We'll bring you an update on the Heat versus the Sixers. It's a quarter past 11. Yes, very nice choice of music by Pedro on the panel. Thank you very much for that. Hey, um, look, it's uh, our great pleasure now to... uh, travel all the way to Thailand and catch up with the captain of Bangkok Glass, Matt Smith. Matt, welcome to the Four Diegos. Yes, Ralph. Thanks for having me, guys. It's my pleasure. It's uh, Rodrigo Rodriguez, Vinny Venezuela's here as well as Carlos Alberto Diego. You're obviously the... um, You've been in Thailand now for a few years. How do we find you? How how are you going? Yeah, good, thanks. It's um, it's been a few years, but it's gone pretty fast. Um, Obviously, still keeping in touch with the Australian game, and uh, it doesn't feel like I've been I've, I've been away for this long. So, it's uh, it's going well. Um, the the football here in Thailand is uh, surprisingly growing, and um, I'm quite enjoying my time at the moment. Now, um, Matt, I'm very curious. Given the name of the club, do you get a lot of glassware given as gifts? <laughs> is there a big table somewhere in the, in the club rooms, and they say, "Boys, take whatever you want." You know, jugs, vases. My, my house and pockets are full of glass. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how they pay you? Family, all of my friends and family come over. They always go, they always go back with some glass. So uh, if you boys, if you boys need any kidding out, then just just. Uh, just we will hold you to that, Matt. Uh, <laughs> uh, Matt, it's Carlos here. Um, but it seems hey, from Carlos. from all your all the reports that I've read and you know your fantastic stuff on social media, you're either you know you've gone through a fairly you know uh, trying preseason and you're not very far away from starting the season. Now, Bangkok Glass, from what I gather, is a club that, where there's high expectations. You're the captain of that club over there. You've been there for a couple of years under Aurelio Vidmar, obviously the coach. Uh, how do you see the pre-season so far, and uh, what are your chances for this season coming up? 
Yeah, I guess the, the biggest thing over the, I guess the couple of years leading into this season coming is that the professionalism, um, particularly my club and across the league, keeps growing. And um, our preseason thus far with, with with Vidi and his team is probably the best preseason that we've had, uh, with all respect to the previous coaches that we've had at the club too. Um, purely from a from the perspective that you know Vidi and his team, everything's planned, programmed, professional. Um, that he's had the opportunity to bring in players that that, that he wants to lift the squad and obviously. Re- release the players that, that, that he felt weren't, weren't needed. So you're right, there's big expectation at our club because we're, we, you know, we, we are you know, a, a top four club. Um, you know, and this year we'll be competing against Duriam and Montong and, and, and Bangkok United. And like I said, we've strengthened well and our preseason has, has been, it's been hard, but it's been, it, it's been structured. So we've got some important games coming out against some Japanese teams. So that's going to be a good test. And uh, the season kicks off on the 11th of February. Matt Vinny again. I just want to know the the playing conditions over there in Bangkok. What's it like? And was it a challenge for you to sort of adapt to them? Yeah, I mean, there's different there's different different um, perspectives, I guess. Um, playing at Brisbane in terms of the climate was fairly similar to Bangkok, to be honest with you. So. From a from a climate perspective, I adapted quite well. I mean, teams always struggle up in Queensland. Um, previously, because obviously you guys play play in the summer, so that wasn't too much of an issue for you. Um, the standards across the league was we took a bit of time to get used to because um, unlike unlike the A League, it's still a developing league as such in, in a positive way too. But you know you play against um, a Buriram one week in a in a nice thirty thousand capacity stadium and. The, the grass and the facilities, are, are, you know, they would equal that of the A-League. But then the following week, you would go to one of the lesser clubs which doesn't have the resources of a bigger club, and therefore the conditions and the facilities and the pitch uh, is completely different. So the standards across the league are, are very diverse. Um, and that goes for the, the level of players too. Um, it's a bit like Europe in that matter in terms of promotion and relegation. You have the richer clubs and the poorer clubs. So... It's a difficult challenge each week, and, and, and teams obviously are fighting for different things. Uh, Matt, uh, of course, uh, the you know foreigners in any of the Asian countries are always under pressure to perform really well, and there's high expectations on you uh, being one of those foreigners, especially being a captain of the club. Does it make it easier for you when a really when a, someone like Aurelio Vidmar? You know, uh, a bloke who comes from Australia, you probably know him from your time playing in the A-League. Uh, you know, you, you're probably comfortable in his, in, you know, having him around. Does it make it easier for you uh, with regards to that pressure uh, that's applied on you because you're the foreigner by having someone like Aurelio there? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, I was reading Robbie Cornthwaite's um, uh, Keys to Success this week that come out on 442, in fact, you know, of surviving Asia and you know, he, he's fairly accurate with a lot of the points that he makes. And there is high expectation on, on the foreign players that come out of Asia. And to a certain extent, that, that's rightly so. Obviously, they, you know, they, it's a bit like the A-League when you bring in marquee players from overseas. You know, there is an expectation level on them. And it, it's fairly similar here. Um, when the club recruited me from, 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 from Brisbane, it was a case of, of trying to bring in as much as I could from, I guess, the success there. But do it in a in a manner which was more cultural to the to the to the to the ties as such. And when over the last three years we've had three coaches, obviously now now Aurelio's come in and 
I spoke at length with with him before before taking the job and spending some time in the Socceroos with him. Also, he um he, he you know he's a big advocate of of of, of a certain philosophy, a certain culture, and it makes um it makes everybody's job a lot easier when you have when you have that leadership above you, um, especially on some of the key drivers to try and improve the professionalism uh, you know throughout our club and. I'm lucky that I'm at a very progressive club. It's probably the best run club in the league. Um, we we're obviously top four, so you know the objective is to is to keep progressing. But you're right, having having you know someone of of Billy's stature and professionalism and experience to come in and uh, expand on his knowledge from from overseas and and you know his success too. It makes it makes my job easier, and therefore not having to focus too much on on worrying about external pressures because. We all know the most important thing is, is that you worry about yourself and the team, and, and, and that's one of the key, uh, key facets which Vidi you know, is now trying to control. Matt, I, uh, I read uh, Rob Cornthwaite's interview about the five tips for, for surviving in Asia, and I was actually going to ask you, and I am going to ask you, what, what are some of your tips? I think that um, there's a... Adding, I guess, adding to what, to what uh, Robbie said without, without repeating some of it, um, you know, and re- with all respect to fellow professionals from over here, but the Thai league, it's not as easy as what as what people think it is. Um, yes, the standards very very diverse in terms of the the good teams and the and the less teams in the league, but it's very easy, I guess, to kind of come here and get comfortable um, because you know, generally speaking, the foreign players are, are better than the local players that are here. Very generally speaking, so my biggest tip is is to come here and, and to keep changing yourself and, and not actually get comfortable in the, in, the, in the environment. And I've seen, you know, lots, lots of foreigners come and good quality foreigners come into the league, but then they haven't really lasted too long for one reason or another. But I guess that's, that's probably my biggest tip when you're foreigner coming in is to keep changing and keep pushing and, and uh, regardless of what they've done before. Here in the Four Diego's, we're speaking with uh, former Brisbane Raw captain and now current captain of Bangkok Glass, Matt Smith. Hey, Matt, um, Take us back to November uh, of last year when Thailand and Australia drew two all in the World Cup qualifier, especially against the backdrop of um, you know the the passing of their beloved king. Um, what was that like in in Thailand at that time? Because that that was a did they view that as a great result for the nation? Because it, it certainly was. It was an uplifting period for the nation, um, especially coming coming off the off off the king's death, which hit the country obviously. And expectedly, very, very hard. Um, the the ties, the um, they hadn't had a obviously the league stopped probably five or six weeks before that match. So in terms of preparation, the ties preparation probably wasn't the best. And in their World Cup qualifying group, in my opinion, they haven't really been playing to their strength. Um, they've been very defensive and trying to hit teams on the counter attack. And playing in the league, the ties strength is actually is actually to attack. So I was pretty pleased with the lineup. Um, and the formation um, that the coach, the, the Thai coach, played when, uh, and I was surprised um, when when playing the Socceroos. You know, they actually were on the attack. They're very offensive, and they played to their strengths. And you know, they made it very difficult for the Socceroos. So um, during that period, it was a, a very uplifting point of the uh, nation. And bearing in mind that throughout that month, any kind of entertainment throughout the country was was basically banned. You know, there's the, you know you. You weren't allowed to go out to the to the restaurants or, or go out with your family to the cinemas because it was a morning period. So I guess the, the, that was the first real big event 
since the passing of the King's death. So therefore, the nation and the players really lifted for that. So I think it took a lot of the um, um, the perceptions of of, of, of five people from throughout Asia as a bit of a surprise. In, in terms of their capabilities, and I see it week in, week out. You know, there are some decent players here, and it's it's quite competitive. And this is this is a a, a big growth potential for them now. It, they are they are the, the best team in Southeast Asia, but they need to they need to take it to the next level, and that's going to take a bit of time. Matt, uh, of course, the development of the A League is something that's progressing over time. But one thing that Australia is almost a leader at worldwide is our sports sciences and our and our view of nutrition in football. Um, you, obviously, you would have had elite advice on that at Brisbane Raw when you won championships and you won you know a lot of trophies up there. But now in Thailand, you know how's the stable diet of pad Thai and uh, Tom Yum? How's that helping your football? I mean, are you told to, to are you told to eat? Well, was that sorry? I said the tom yum's quite nice. It, it gives a bit of spice too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do they encourage? Does Aurelio and his team encourage you to eat a lot of the local stuff? Or and do, and do your teammates who are Thai uh, are they uh, are they told not to you know to steer away from it or just eat the way you normally would all their lives? Yeah, it's it's a very good question actually. It's, it's probably one of the biggest drawbacks in terms of Thai football over the last you know last or in recent years, I guess. When um, when I first arrived, you know the the players' diets and nutrition, it was it was very local. It was pretty much what they'd grown up with in terms of uh, fried foods and sugar. And um, from a nutritional perspective, it's not what you would expect from a from a from a, a professional in, in Australia. And over the period of time, I guess the recruitment of players is to try and drive that cultural change from a um, from an experience perspective, you know, so you know, foreign players coming in in good shape, eat, eating well, drinking well. Some of the protocols that we used to do in Brisbane, I brought across, but you can't really force it upon the players themselves because, in, from a cultural perspective, you have to try and try and show them and, and kind of hope that they follow. Where um, now with Vidi and his team, um, especially with, with with Andrew Young, which is probably one of the best fitness coaches around. Um, you know, the players now are in probably the best physical condition that I've seen at the club from the perspective of training loads, workloads, and edu- education around simply what types of foods to eat and what not to eat. And we've got the culture of the club now, whereas it's it's actually frowned upon if, if, a, if a player is a little bit overweight, for example. You know, when the, when the skin folds come through, when the weight testing comes through, um, players are now finding at each other basically to keep dropping. So that comes down to the work of, of Vidi and, and Andrew in educating the players of you know the the copies and the uh, and the Coca Colas and you know the the benefits of, of you know trying to perform at the highest level and the only way they can do that is, is obviously to to try and um, look after themselves and they're they're not yet there in terms of what, what is compared to Australia, but this is this is a, a an area growth for them, and if they can continue to, to develop that, they can be better players. Um, they can be better physically. Like, as it stands at the moment, um, they're quite they're quite mobile and quite quick, but sustaining a high intensity pace is 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 a challenge. I mean, sorry, got course a little bit, but Andrew Young said the other day that. The AD players roughly trot around 120 metres per minute in terms of their GPS data. 
um, in the in the in the tire league it's around 110 meters per minute. And I know it's only 10 meters per minute, but you combine that from a team perspective on an individual basis, that equates to quite a lot. So in terms of growth, there's lots of potential, but they need to do the small little 1% thing to keep improving. Now, Matthew, as captain of Bangkok Glass, do you find that your tuk-tuk drivers are often giving you advice? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that kind of cut out then, sorry. <laughs> so so your tuk-tuk drivers, you know, you I don't know how you get to training. I'm assuming you've got your own tuk-tuk, your team tuk-tuk. <laughs> Do, do they want to tell you how to, you know, to to to, to per, tweak things with the team? How do you communicate? Yeah, yeah, no. As it happens, I'm driving through Bangkok traffic now, so it's um, it's uh, it's always there's always something going on in Bangkok, but it's um, no, the 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 ties. I mean, from a from a I guess a cultural perspective, they're very very respectful people um, in terms of. Um, their livelihood in terms of their, the way that they're brought up, just from a, a, a general person's perspective. And I guess um, they, they're quite laid back, which I guess is similar to the Queenslanders and, and uh, Brisbane. But it's um, it's a constant education process kind of back and forth. Like, although I've been here two years, I'm kind of still finding out new things about them um, in terms of how 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 they derived, how the legal structure, how, and the history, because it keeps changing, of course. You know, we, we now have a new governing body, the league, for example, and you know, so they're learning off of, off of, I guess, the foreigners, coaches, and players, and 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 vice versa. Hey, Matt, uh, it's been really interesting talking to you. Uh, it's been a while, of course, but um, hey, uh, keep keep up the good work, mate, and uh, really been great catching up with you on the Four Diego's. No, I uh, really appreciate you guys reaching out, and thanks for your time. Oh, no worries at all. Thanks for your time, there, Matt. There's uh, Matt Smith, the uh, former co- captain of the Brisbane Roar, now the captain of Bangkok Glass, giving us an insight into what life in Thailand's like. Hey, um, in the Bish- Big Bash League, the Sydney Sixers have defeated the Brisbane Heat in the Super Over. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Look, everyone's really funny because I call them accidentally, mind you, the Brisbane Strikers at the start. They're a good football team in the yeah, NPL. I'm going to have a bit, of a, a bit of a quiz with the boys in the control room about cricket. I'll give them a lesson or two. Hey, this is the 40 Goes on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of football. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for joining us on this Wednesday night with the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Hey, tonight's show is brought to you by Tax Talk, Best on Plumbing and the Northern Football Academy at St Monica's College in Epping. Let's get into the Q&A before we get on to Mike McGrath in the UK, of course, from the sun.co.uk. Hey, it's the Big Blue uh, tomorrow mm. on Australia Day, of course. Melbourne victory take on Sydney FC. This game's always got a bit of... Uh, <laughs> Bit of spite, bit of hate, even Carlos. Well, it's Vinny. it's hard. bit it's, of trash talk coming from. Well, it, well, it's Brosky. interesting. Well, it, it, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Broski's <sighs> got a bit of mongrel in him these days. He's turned he completely has, angry. Oh, he pills. Has. He's on the angry pills. Um, I, I think the the dead giveaway about how competitive this game is going to be. Uh, I think I was reading some quotes. Just three sentences yeah. from Graham Arnold. Uh, Just three sentences. <laughs> yeah. And I think he said the word fight. About 10 times in three sentences. We know that Melbourne are going to come out fighting and we're ready for that fight. And we've got the players who are prepared for that fight. That's <laughs> what he said. Yeah. And then he just kept going and yeah. going and going. Yeah. Yeah. If, if victory win, I think we should give him a, a thesaurus. <laughs> to use different words. Just to use different words. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's interesting Good that, for the that Sydney's come out strongly talking about having to fight and win the battle. 
But I've heard that from Victory. It's like Victory don't need to say it, Vinny. Whereas nah. Sydney need to say it. It's all like always. It's almost like you remind yourself by looking in the mirror and saying, "I'm tough. I'm <laughs> strong. I can fight." But I don't think Victory need to say that because that's just inbred in them. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. It's just that that part of the game is going to be very interesting, and I think that's going to be the difference between the two sides tomorrow night. Really looking forward to it though, mm. because um, no matter how you look at it, Victory Victory's form in this busy period. Uh, for mm. them, which is not an excuse. No, no one's been using that as an excuse from victory. No, I think we've been using it more as an, not you know the media and yeah. uh, and the fans. But um, you know they're they're coming off some indifferent form. They've lost two games in a row. I mean, you know, no matter how you look at it, this is a must-win game for for yeah. Melbourne victory. Yeah. Ultimately, it it's a must-win if they want to have a chance of winning the Premier's play. I would imagine that they do. Yeah, Surely no, that's true. It, it, it's mm. must-win in that respect. But it's look these days, especially with the grand, you know, the final series, and and I think it's pretty much with them doing six points ahead of City, they're pretty much entrenched in the finals. And given there's all these gaps between the different teams in the, in the standings, that uh, it, yeah, of course, like you said. First past the post is what everyone wants to do. If they do lose this, it's virtually giving it to Sydney, you know, uh, and accepting that they're going to win the Premier's plate. So it is probably victory's last chance. So if you're looking at, at, at a six-pointer, this is probably it. Yeah. So, yeah. Rodrigo, I think you're pretty much right that, you know, this is a must-win for them if they want to win the Premier's plate. And they've had the, we're going to do it for Lee pep talk, haven't they, Carlos? <laughs> of course, uh, Vinny Venezuela, because Lee Broxham mm. plays the, um, he breaks the record yeah. of uh, Melbourne Vic- games for Melbourne victory. Uh, it's his 225th game. So that's mm. a wonderful effort from a, from a bloke that, you know, yeah. has, <laughs> has a bit of a Mr. Fix-It, so to speak, or, you know, has been quoted well, in the newspaper as that. But... Um, but you know, I think he's—it's a fantastic achievement. Imagine if Muskie rested him. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that would hurt. He, that would yeah. be uh, a party pooper. Yeah. You know, but he certainly has been a player where a lot of fans have questioned his value over the years. But his coaches keep on playing him, mm. and I'll tell you what—I back the coaches every day of the week because it's not been the same coach. It's been Merrick, it's been Postacoglu, and it's been Musket. Now Merrick, I know uh, Ernie Merrick. Uh, recruited him as a 12-year-old for the VIS. So he might have a soft spot for him. That's maybe why he may have played him. But no one can argue with Ange Postacoglu coming in after having won things with Brisbane Raw with some great players, for him to play him, he must have these these qualities that maybe a lot of fans don't see. And then for Muskie, especially in situations where, you know, he was under pressure, the team had to win, he played him every time. Mm. So... He's one of those guys that you probably don't see the value he brings to the, the team, but he's certainly been one of the first picked every time under those three coaches. I don't, I don't think he started the season as a regular, but then uh, since oh, then he's, he, he's, he's put him uh, in and he's realised that he's very crucial to Yeah, I think it might team. have been. I'm not sure whether that was more because of uh, fitness or injury, Vinny, because I think every time he's been available, He's been able. He's been put in there and, and one of the first picks. He's that. He's that kind of player where the coach says, "I want you to do this job," mm. and he does it. Yeah. You know, m- more often than not, he does it. So no wonder his first pick, Carlos and Vinny, because he's um, he's one of those players. So congratulations to uh, Lee Broxham uh, for for a fantastic achievement, breaking the Melbourne Victories games record, uh, beating Archie Thompson on two hundred. Well, Archie uh, played two hundred twenty-four, and uh, Broxham plays his two twenty-fifth in the Big Blue. Archie's going to be. Well and truly forgotten very soon, isn't he? You know, Barisha beat his uh, his record. Now I think uh, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Broxham now? No, no, sorry. The Wellington Phoenix Smelts uh, oh, right. is on the verge oh, of, of, of you know taking a, you know going over and taking uh, and you know being second in the goal scoring once he gets a goal or two, and uh, and now the the game's record he's just going to be forgotten completely and, um, if Melbourne. Victory, isn't he? Super Tim's taking all the VIP passes <laughs> to the clubs. <laughs> it's true. I'll never forget Archie. Archie's a legend. <laughs> He's hey, a legend. Um, hey, boys, just before we go to the break, the A-League or the FFA launched a new A-League logo, new yeah. branding, uh, middle of the season. Mm. Um, timing was interesting, but firstly, what do you think of the new design, the new I, look? I think, they, I think they all look good. Mm. I think, you know, whoever did it, I've, I've seen the animated version, so... You know, once you see the animated version, you can sort of see how it all comes together and maybe what the whole theme of the of the whole look of it is, which is great. Uh, I just cannot, be, cannot, I can't understand why they announced it and made it made the announcement now. I mean, these are certainly uh, brand. The branding is not going to be, I don't believe, used this season. Why wouldn't they have, you know, uh, announced it during the off season? Because uh, it's such a long off season anyway, it's not like it's going to be on the eve of the That's season. True. So, uh, it's I was just, just one more thing they don't have to do. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I would have left a thing to do yeah. in the off season. It's, true. You know? it's like they've got nothing to do during. Yeah, the getting a, yeah. Yeah, they want a they want a better break, I, I guess. <laughs> Maybe what happened was all the stationery with the old branding <laughs> has been out. used up, oh, and yes. they're thinking. We can't, we can't use the new stuff without having a launch. <laughs> I've worked for companies where that is actually the uh, milestone to, to come, come up with a new brand for the company yeah. when you've run out of stationery of the old brand. But anyway, uh, no, look, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I sure our friends, good. I'm sure our friends at the FFA have got their reasons why it's released yeah. today. And each club can actually um, modify the logo to suit their strip, to yeah. suit the colours of their strip. So, so they're being a bit flexible, and obviously with the new uh, TV rights and uh, obviously it now being broadcast um, one mm. game anyway on free-to-air TV, we don't know who yet. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's obviously they're, they're preparing themselves for some big things. So, hey, uh, let's take a break now and come back with more of the Four Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's. Thanks for your company tonight. Just repeating in the BBL, the Sixers defeated the Heat in the Super Over. Um, it was a fantastic uh, game of uh, Big Bash League, um, as it always has been. So they take on the Perth Scorchers, the Sydney Sixers do, in Perth. So, um, hey, it's uh, quarter to midnight now, and um, it's time to cross to the UK and catch up with our man from the sun in the UK, Mike McGrath. G'day, Mike, and welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure, mate. Good to have you. It's Rodrigo Rodriguez. Uh, Vinny Venezuela's here, and uh, so is Carlos. No Warren for you tonight, but um, let's kick it off with Wayne Rooney, Mike. He's, um, he scored his 250th uh, goal for Manchester United. It is there. Um, oh, he's now the all-time leading goal scorer at, uh, at United. What a fantastic achievement, um, obviously beating. He's ahead of uh, Sir Bobby Charlton. How will he be viewed, Mike? It's not in the same kind of um, realm as uh, Sir Charlton, Sir Bobby Charlton, but um, how will he be viewed at uh, Manchester United in, in years to come? Yeah, that's a really difficult one because that he is, Top of the goal-scoring charts, and that's um, and that's probably going to stay forever. To be honest, uh, with the way football's going, and, and cl- uh, clubs not really uh, players not really sticking with clubs, um, so he, he will be there for for a long time. But you know, at United, that some of the fans have never really forgotten about him almost leaving and and um, a few years ago, and then getting a new contract, uh, and also with. Bobby Charlton himself being, you know, a legend of the English game and winning the World Cup. There's a feeling around, you know, around the country, rightly or wrongly, you know, maybe he isn't, hasn't fulfilled his potential. 
even though it's an amazing um, achievement, what he's done. So I think, how will, how will he be remembered? I think it'll be a real mixed bag, um, you know, from, from right across uh, the range of the spectrum there. Mike, uh, Vinnie here, uh, just on that, uh, Fergie was did an interview the other day, I think, or overnight about Rooney and, and, and seemed to be speaking about Man U and also Rooney and talking him up a little bit. As an insider, as our man over there, have you like how how do you think Fergie actually feels about Rooney in reference to even that idea that he wanted to leave at one point and 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 there was a lot of tension. I mean, look, they they obviously fell out um, at the time and there was there was bad blood, but I I think in general he probably would have felt you know uh, I think he felt he did get a lot out of him. They won the European Cup um, and they won a lot of titles with Wayne Rooney in the team, and he was scoring a lot of goals. Um, so I do think he probably felt that he's got as much as he could out of him, really. Um, but yeah, it, it's a shame because you, you mentioned it there, and I think other people do remember it as well. It, and it will be remembered for oh yeah, do you remember the time that they fell out and um, and he ended up and then Fergie backed down and then they ended he ended up with a new contract. That that seems to be what people remember that relationship for. Mike, it's Carlos. Uh, just on that point there. Uh, I thought I think I read somewhere that incredibly he reached or he surpassed Bobby, Sir Bobby Charlton with 200 games less played than Bobby Charlton. So no one's really talking about that achievement because that's uh, amazing for him to do that. Uh, and also the fact that Sir Alex did also say that there were, the record will probably never be beaten, uh, not only because of the goals per games played, but also the fact that these days you won't probably have a 10-year, you know, top-line footballer staying with one club, and in this case, Manchester United? Yeah, I think, yeah, there definitely won't be. It would be very rare to get a Gerrard or Rooney-type loyalty from players. But I think also with the, with the goals per game ratio, it's... Um, it's um, I, 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 didn't, I never saw Bobby Charlton play. Um, some journalists of a different vintage have, and they say um, that he was an out-and-out number 10 rather than what Rooney has been, which is um, a striker for uh, that's how he started anyway at, at Everton and at United before dropping back and um, having various different positions. So I think that's the difference. But it, it still doesn't, um, you know, escape the fact that it's it is an incredible goals game ratio and that he has stuck the ball in the net um, 250 times. Mike, with that loyalty thing, do you think it's because you just can't find players that want to will be happy with fifty million dollars a year anymore over ten <laughs> years? That we we always want more. I think so. I mean, they are footballers, and um, we expect some loyalty, and we expect kissing the badge and stuff. But also, <laughs> as cold-hearted businessmen, when people offer you, even you know, if somebody's getting ten million, and they get offered another million uh, many people would say well it's a, you know you're getting paid so much already but I think businessmen look at it in a different way and um, it's a lot of money for people to turn down which is why we've had situations you know even in the past two weeks of, um, of Diego Costa getting his head turned and I think that's probably the start of um, a trend and um, and I think you know the cash probably will, will pay at the end um, and uh, it will kind of have the final say. Uh, so, unfortunately, I think that's the way of the world. 
Mike, what would get my uh, you know attention and what I would really love to see is uh, if Gareth Bale's head gets turned by either Chelsea or Manchester United, there's talk that they're willing to table a 200 million euro bid for uh, Bale and make him the, the richest player in the world also with uh, another world record smashing uh, transfer uh, probably be, you know, for next season. Uh, are you hearing anything along those lines? For me, it's a very exciting thing for uh, for English football if you had a player who really at the top of his game, I know he's had his injury problems at Real Madrid this season, but he's at the top of his game. He's up there with the Ronaldos and with the Messis of this world as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it'd be great to have someone like him back home playing in the English Premier League, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely would. You know, we, we've had some good news this uh, morning about Coutinho that uh, yeah, he's, stay, he's staying at Liverpool for the time being because he's just signed a new contract. And I think uh, it is, it is every, every one of these uh, fantastic players playing in England rather than Spain is, is kind of a, you know, a, a real boost for us. Um, uh, I just think Bale is really, really settled where he is, is, is what I'm hearing. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think even David Moyes himself recently said that he was close to getting him at Man U. I don't think, I don't think that interest has ever gone away, and they would love to. They would love to have um, had him broken the world record uh, for him as much as Pogba, but it just it just wasn't possible. I can see him staying. I can definitely see him staying at uh, Madrid for the time being because you know, being European champions or. Um, compared to our our teams who are struggling in the Champions League at the moment, I don't think it's much of a contest. Um, but like I say, you know, the, a big a big offer might change that. But at the moment, I, I see him staying for the time being. Hey, Mike. Uh, now looking towards the bottom of the ladder, we'll talk about Leicester, of course, the current uh, uh, premiers. Um, could it be? Now, this is a question that uh, we were asking in the green room before. Could uh, it be that uh, Ranieri, in the same year he gets a statue, gets the sack? <laughs> it could be. It really, it really could happen. Um, well, you know, I think the sack would probably not be as um, kind of shameful as relegation, uh, which really, when you look at how they play, is a possibility. There's probably three teams playing worse than them, um, which saves them. But they're not playing well at all. It's I think the general feeling is, yeah, when you've climbed to the top of the mountain, you can't exactly get any higher. So they they probably needed to do what United or Juventus did in the in the old day, or you know, in the 90s. Once they win one, they kind of rip it up again and and get fresh blood and and get fresh. Um, ideas and competition because it's really gone flat for them this season. People found out how to play them and beat them and at the moment they're looking um, in the wrong direction. Now Mike, uh, given that Chelsea has got about an eight point lead on everyone else, are we calling it yet over there? Some people are. Um, I think there was a glimmer of hope when Diego Costa um, did what he did a, a week ago, but they <laughs> seem the to kind of be back on track, uh, back on track with their win at the weekend over Hull. Um, and I just didn't feel City or Spurs look like title winners at the weekend when I was at that game. I thought City just can't, they just can't finish teams off. Um, and Spurs, 
they got played off the park for 70 minutes and they also have big injury problems in in with their key players uh, Vertonghen was the latest one and uh, Alderweireld was the latest one and Vertonghen's really important to them so I, and Liverpool are uh, having the 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 calendar year that they're having so I mean people are calling it probably it's it's going to take quite a dramatic collapse for Chelsea not to win it Mike, one real quick one before you go. Uh, Arsene Wenger, uh, he's got anger management issues, we know that. Uh, he made contact with a fourth official on the weekend. Surely they've got to throw the book at him. And you've got to be quick here, mate, because we've got to go to the news. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, the FA want respect for referees. And what does it say if he's, you know, got his hands all over the officials? So I'd expect a, a decent enough ban for him on that one. Hey, Mike, uh, thanks for your time tonight. Uh, good having a bit of an extended chat to you. And we'll talk to you again soon. Cheers, guys. Speak to you soon. There's Mike McGrath from The Sun in the UK. Let's take a break now and come back with more of the Diego's on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. On 1116 SEN, the four Diego's. We're looking forward to a big, big, big blue tomorrow, Australia Day, of course, uh, between Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC. People are saying this is the original derby. Um, it's not really a derby, but it's a game against uh, the two two of the biggest clubs in the A-League. Look, really looking forward to that, of course. Hey, um, Melbourne City take on Newcastle Jets on Friday night. That's a big game for the new coach for That's, the rest of the year. Well, <laughs> a, a coach who now, you know, is not in limbo anymore. He is the man. and uh, let's hope, confidence. Yeah, let's hope that the, the, the team sticks by him because... You know, uh, when you've got you know the familiarity of a, of a coach, sometimes mm. that uh, extra incentive to do well for him is gone. Um, I'm sure the players would have been playing for him the last three games. You'd hope they still play for him, Carlos. Well, no, but I think it's not necessarily. I think they've played for him, especially that week where he took over from uh, Van Skip. I think they played for him then. Uh, but when you become permanent coach, well, you know, everyone's got to muck in together. You know, it's yeah. not just for one bloke. He's Look. got Tim, Timmy there. Timmy will help <laughs> yeah. galvanise well, the troops. T- Timmy will run through a brick wall for <laughs> it. <laughs> hey, that's it for the this week's show. Geez, it goes fast when you're having fun. So remember, Carlos. Wherever Puerto Rican girls hang out, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever you samba, rumba, and la bamba, we'll, we'll be there. there. Wherever there's girls with fruit on their head and balls at their feet, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. Wherever gringos play football, we'll, we'll be, be there. there. We are the Four Diego's. Ole! Ole!